week at the Principality Stadium and getting even busier on Saturday. Welcome to the Principality Welsh Rugby Union podcast. Part of the crowd against Scotland on Saturday, things will be a little different. WRU Group Chief Executive Martin Phillips. So the aim on Saturday and for the next sort of four games for the autumn is 4,200 seats here, which will turn into an alcohol-free zone. Well, St Hadley Park says it should be a pretty good game. It'll be nice to, uh, to hopefully get another one over them this weekend, but both teams will be wanting to put a good performance out and, and looking to build probably to, a, to the Six Nations. Wales great Geffen Jenkins is forced into retirement by injury. Yeah, it's been a tough decision, but something probably I, I've been coming to in the last couple of weeks. The mind is saying I can keep going, but my body's not. So. so plenty to look forward to. The game, an open training session held at the stadium this week. But we'll start with a new innovation for the stadium, an alcohol-free zone in the North Stand. For those fans who want to be there. We're better for WRU Group Chief Executive Martin Phillips to explain more. We're in the uh, alcohol-free zone um, in the north stand at the stadium, so the, the reason we chose this area is we can segregate it a lot easier than, than anywhere else, really. So the aim on Saturday and for the next sort of four games through the autumn, there's 4,200 seats here, which will turn into an alcohol-free zone. The way that'll work is that people won't be allowed to bring alcoholic drinks to their seats. We've expanded the offer, so we'll have more food and soft drinks and so on for supporters on the Saturdays. Yeah, and then the idea is to learn a lot, really. I think it's a pretty meaningful trial. There'll probably be 10 or 12,000 supporters here across the four games. So we'll get a lot of data through surveys from them and come and chat with them. And quite interesting to see, you know, is it families or is it younger people, older people? And, yeah, learn a lot, digest it, and then um, be open to where, where that might take us afterwards. So no alcohol in this zone, but they can come in early, could get a drink somewhere else and then finish it before coming here. It's not completely alcohol-free necessarily. Yeah, I mean, mainly because as well, I guess, you could be in town for a few hours and turn up before kick-off. And uh, whilst the zone is alcohol-free, I guess you wouldn't be. So um, the commitment we're trying to make to supporters is to say, you know, there won't be people drinking in their seats. I'm not sure there's a huge amount more than that we could do, really. City centre stadium, people are clearly free to do what they want to do before they get here. Just give more of an idea of what you'll do afterwards in terms of that information and where that might take you. Yeah, I think the two main things you're trying to do is to say, is there a market? So there's been a lot of comment, obviously, on, on this topic for some time, so none of us really know. You know, is there a demand for an alcohol-free area? So we'll know a lot more about that from a sort of measurement point of view afterwards. And then we'll get some feedback around what do people think they want from an alcohol-free zone. So again, I guess we'd all have a different opinion. You know, we'll have a lot more insight into what that looks like the things we did well the things we did less well do we want to take that forward you know in a similar fashion or does it need to be adapted and changed or if indeed is it is there a market at all so i guess i'm trying to get past the opinion and down to some fact and then simple principle though is you've got to give a supporter what they want otherwise they have a choice and they can go somewhere else so we have to be vigilant and and give supporters what they're looking for this is, a, as I say, a meaningful trial, and then the Six Nations is too soon, so you know the tickets will be on sale and that, that'll be away, so we'll be back to normal for Six Nations, which gives us good time then to digest it and then say, right, do we need to trial further or is there a sort of more permanent change that we want to make? So I think we'll test and trial, adapt, and but I've got quite a long-term view on it. There's four or five different types of, of segments of supporters that come here. 
So at the moment we have largely hospitality and, and the rest and I think we need to be better than that. So over the next, you know, three, five, ten years, I would imagine that if we get really good at this, there'll be different types of zones with, with different types of experiences and that's giving supporters what they're looking for. So I'd like us to be sort of pioneering on that kind of thing, certainly in rugby. I think the bit we have to be careful of in rugby is that I think one of the reasons people like rugby is you can have a drink in your seat and you can rub shoulders with other supporters, you can sit next to each other and you can go and have a sing-song with them in the pub afterwards and I think that's a real part of the DNA of rugby so I wouldn't want to be tampering with that. So I think this is about making intelligent adjustments to an offer that works. It's a good to great story so you know, the vast majority of people who come to match day want to have a drink. It's a big part of their social calendar and that's what fills the stadium up. So we need to be sort of mindful of that, but also not sort of so closed that there are, you know, as society changes or people get more choice, you need to understand that and then adapt. So, yeah, it's just about being smart about how we do it. Stadium manager Mark Williams was also there with this message for fans coming along to the game on Saturday and indeed throughout the Under Armour November series. The matchday experience is extremely important to us and we don't want anyone to miss kickoff. We've run seven international matches now with our new enhanced security measures and what we've found is that about 90 minutes before kickoff the queues start to build significantly. So the advice out there to fans is if you don't want to be in the queue and you want to guarantee to get in to watch kickoff, come as early as you can. If you leave it to the last hour then you're likely to be in a very, very significant queue. Did you feel that was a message that over those seven internationals people are beginning to get? Absolutely. There was a blip with Australia where we had several hundred people outside at kick-off. After that, it hasn't been an issue, but we can't be complacent. We've got to keep plugging away at the message and giving the fans that informed choice. Everyone wants those security measures. I suppose they also want to come in quite close to kick-off. Absolutely. You know, my number one priority is the, the safety and the, and the security of the spectators coming into the stadium, so I can't cut any corners. It is what it is, unfortunately. One of the groups coming in will be coming into this uh, no-alcohol zone. Just explain what this is, where this is, why this is. Yeah, so this is the old north stand, the upper part of the old north stand. There's about 4,300, 4,400 seats in here, I guess. The reason we selected this area is because it's probably the easiest area to police for this trial that we're going to do throughout the autumn internationals. There'll be no alcohol allowed in the seating area in the upper north, and the concession units in the concourse in this area will all be sort of soft drinks and food. People can, though, get drinks in other parts of the ground, but not bring them here. Correct. Yeah, that's right. You can walk around the concourse to another part of the stadium and have a beer and then come back up here and sit in your seat without that beer. What sort of take-up is there for this area? So for the first game in Scotland, I believe there's about 2,400 tickets that have been sold at the moment. So out of 4,200-ish seats, you know, it's uh, not bad. So what are you doing with those people? Because it's not just come and sit here and we'll never hear from you again. There's no, 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 we'll be doing that. We'll be conducting surveys. We'll have guys uh, on site doing those matches to get feedback about how it went. And at the end of those four games, we'll evaluate the whole trial and see where we take it forward. Earlier in the week, saw a few thousand fans getting the chance to watch the Wales team train at the Principality Stadium. It was quite an occasion with a queue for an autograph with former captain Sam Warburton seemingly never-ending. The current players were pretty popular as well at the end of training, when there was a chance to catch up with centre Hadley Parks, who this time last year was still waiting to make his Wales debut. He's aware Wales have a pretty good record over Scotland in recent years. 
Yeah, they have had a good run. I think at home, especially away. You know, I think we've lost a couple of times, but um, no, it's uh, hopefully we can put a good performance out there on Saturday. Does that matter at all to you guys? The fact that I don't think they've won here since 2002. No, I think it's just it's a test match. Every test match you want to win, so I think it's um, it'll be nice to uh, to hopefully get another one over them this weekend. But I think that they might be thinking about it. I don't know what they'll be doing, but um, look, it, it's good just to be out there. Both teams will be wanting to put a good performance out and, and looking to build properly to a, to the Six Nations. Hadley Warren's not been around, sadly. Obviously, how's that impacted the camp or has it not had it? Um, look, it's very sad for the Warren and, and the Gatlin family as a whole. And look, deaths are never nice, are they? And everyone unfortunately goes through it. But, uh, you know, hopefully they're all okay. And I'm sure that they've had a, had a uh, good kind of catch up back in New Zealand, had a bit of family time. And I'm sure that he'll be coming back in and he'll be keen to get back stuck into it. And we'll be keen to have him back as well. Obviously, he's, he's pretty important to our team. And personally, looking forward to the autumn series? Yeah, very much so. Look, it was um, about 12 months ago that this all kind of came about for me. So, it's um, you know, the year's gone extremely fast and loved every moment of it. Had a, um, had a lot of fun and, uh, and really enjoying it. So, hopefully, uh, get another couple of opportunities in this autumn. Have you got your bearings around the Vale now? You sort of know yeah. where you are. And... Yeah, no, it's not too bad. Actually. It's, um, it's good. It's a great facility out there, isn't it? And uh, we get very well looked after. And you're pegging the change room? Have you got your, your spot now? No, I'm kind of all just all over the place. Just go wherever there's a free seat and then uh, and then come match day, you just come to wherever you've been told to go. The kit man sorts yeah. you out, yeah. How important is it to continue the momentum from the summer tour and with Wales third in the world at the moment? Yeah, I think it's really good. It's awesome that uh, to be you know third in the world, but it's also you know Scotland, a team that we're probably going to we're going to play up there in, in February or March. I mean, it'd be nice to hopefully get a win there. And then Australia, that's a big game. It's a big game as well. A team that we haven't been in for a while, but uh, being in our pool at the World Cup, I think it'll be nice to um, have a good match against them. And they look like they're improving every game at the moment as well. And then Springboks, we've had a bit of good fortune against them the last few games. And, and Tonga, I think, is going to be a big game as well. There's some big boys in there, and there'll be some big collisions, I'm sure. You're listening to the Principality Welsh Rugby Union podcast. Of course, this weekend's game is for the Doddy Weir Cup for former Scotland and Lions second row who's raising money for his My Name 5 Doddy Foundation for motor neurone disease. He was asked by Scottish journalists if he had ever played at the Principality Stadium. Scott Quinnell's testimonial. Phenomenal testimonial. He's a good guy, lovely guy. He abseiled from the scoreboard. So it must have been quite a strong string rope, whatever it may be. But yeah, he entered with a bang anyway. No, 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 no. We've got some plans to do something different, yeah. But no, I think we're just doing a... I don't know yet, for sure, uh, but looking forward to it. As I say, we're going to embrace it. Very kind of the cup being named Dory's Cup, because I'm still here. And normally you get that named when you're not here. So they maybe thought of something different. No, I don't know. But with that, the whole family, friends, where we are with things is going to be a memorable weekend. A lot of the Scotland guys will tell you that it's, apart from Whitefield, it's probably the one of the places to go. Maybe not the results that they've had there, but it is a pretty special arena. Yeah, very daunting. And anything away from home is daunting. And the Welsh are very passionate, like the Scots with the rugby. And, and with that, it's quite a club. It's quite an arena. So when there's a lot of noise, it rebounds onto the field. And we had a, a kind of example with that here at Murrayfield in the olden days against England. It got so noisy that between you and I, we couldn't hear the line-out codes on the field. And it's quite difficult to explain that. 
but the noise bounces off the stadium onto the field and it's just such an atmosphere and a great atmosphere as well so and both teams are playing well so I think it's going to be quite a, an interesting match and with any luck the incentive might be there that the boys can bring this cup back to Murrayfield and we can put it in the museum as a major piece and Hamilton Inches have done an absolute fantastic job in making it with some big handles to emulate my massive ears which is just great I was checking the stats Dory. you played the Wales eight times you won four of those the guys in more recent years they would kill for that kind of win ratio against the Welsh so again I was looking at the boys and this is Barnes you mentioned I, I never really looked at any stats when I was playing rugby and this is where it's been interesting a little bit to look back and and see where I've been and what I've been doing with my rugby and, it's, and some stats have been quite oh my golly gosh because um, Chris Patterson for World Cup games as well I think I was I was up there for a little while then the two tries against the All Blacks as well my stats against England I don't know if you've seen them but they're not very clever yeah, I would like to change that so they were eight and none mm-hmm. so against Wales 50% I suppose not better because there was some pretty as they are now, good players in, and there were some pretty impressive games. And we thoroughly enjoyed playing against the Welsh because they played a similar way that we did. But we had a great, a great time off the field in the olden days, which was quite special and I quite enjoyed. And that's been a story of my, my kind of life, the enjoyment. And there'll be collections for his charity on the day. The WRU and SRU will donate directly to make sure the game raises at least a hundred thousand pounds for the charity. Of course, it's not just the players who'll be in action in rugby over the next month. It's also the Welsh referees. To explain more, National Performance Referee Manager Paul Adams spoke to Rob Cole. Paul, great to see uh, so many Welsh uh, referees being involved in the Autumn Series for the IRB. Just talk us through who's got what. Dan Jones has got French Barbarians versus Tonga. That's a real step up for him. Yeah, Ben is refing uh, Uruguay and Nigel is refing Ireland and Italy out in Chicago and he's refing France versus South Africa. And anybody on the touchline? They've all got two AR appointments as well in, in various games. Yeah. So that's Dan and Craig Evans has got two additional AR appointments but he's not in the middle for this uh, series. Okay. So let's talk about Dan Jones. He's your latest professional. Yeah, Dan was appointed last month as our fourth professional. He joins Nigel, Ben Whitehouse and Craig Evans. Dan was appointed as a result of some excellent performances in the Under-20 World Cup where he did a semi-final and by all accounts was unlucky not to do the final. So he's been refing now in the Pro 14 for three years and he's started now to get some very high-profile games in the Pro 14 so that holds good for future development. And he's also refereeing in the Challenge Cup now in the, this round of matches. So Dan, like Ben and Craig, very young. Yeah, they're all around 27, 28 years of age now so it is an ideal time front a push for the next stage. Dan is a Witcher High School yeah. boy. <laughs> so Mr Morris uh, is, has been looking at his progress, has he? Gwyn was the reason Dan started. He was playing for the first team in Witchurch and had quite a nasty back injury. And Gwyn suggested that he takes up the whistle, so he's gone from strength to strength. So he was in our original academy referees programme about seven or eight years ago. So both he, Craig and... Uh, Ben have all come through that programme now which shows that something's working right there. Stakes are high for referees at this time with a year to go to the World Cup. Yeah. 
What's success for you looking towards the next World Cup? Next World Cup, we'd like to have one in the middle, which obviously is going to be Nigel. We'd like to see one on the line as well, AR in. But really, we're looking for the World Cup after next, where we've got Craig, Dan and Ben in contention for places. So it's the next two years, three years, are really important for their development. If they perform well at this cycle, do we get them onto the touchline for Six Nations, or do we see them in across Europe in the, uh, the rugby Europe? Uh, yeah, they've got a stage beyond the FIRA. I think Craig is likely to be selected for the under-20s this season, and that's seen very much as a stepping stone for future referees. You know, a lot of referees in the last couple of years, they've gone on from under-20s. It's very much part of the development now. Once they do the under-20s, they do well in the under-20s, and then they go on to the next stage. And success, really, for Dan would be to be appointed this season in perhaps some of the Champions Games, and Ben kicking on from where he is at the moment, to, to doing perhaps some more challenging second-tier international matches. Nigel obviously been very high profile. He followed in the steps of Derek and, and Clive Norling. How many aspirational referees have you got who now want to be the next Nigel Owens? All of them, I think. <laughs> We've got ten referees now, all under 26 refereeing in the Premiership. So that holds good. Uh, the problem we've got, we've got a lot of young referees coming through now, but it's managing their expectation, because as you just alluded to, they all want to be the next Nigel Owen, and we've only got four professional referees. So if we've got ten youngsters in addition to the boys that are already there, then competition in, in the Premiership in the next two years is, is going to be uh, quite intense for them, which, mm. you know, if they do stick at it, means a better quality of refing because they're starting so young now. And we see Joy Neville getting uh, Pro 14 games on the line for European games. What's the picture for the women's game? We've got two women refereeing in the National Leagues at the moment and we've got another two women who we've highlighted who were refereeing at the moment, youth and second team rugby. Uh, we've got a development squad. Part of that development squad is um, Adam Hughes as well, who's an ex-professional centre for the Dragons. Yeah. And we've got a, a, a girl who's doing that uh, standard as well. So we've got about 12 boys in a development squad, all doing sort of level 2 rugby. But hopefully they will kick on to the next stage. Bianca Zeitzman has already done some European sevens tournaments, so um, we've targeted her for uh, hopefully um, fast-tracking over the next two or three years. And good luck to all the referees this month as well. News this week of the imminent retirement from the game of a Wales great prop, Gethin Jenkins. This was the reaction of WIU Group Chief Executive Martin Phillips. You know, I think legend's probably overused, but it, in this instance, I think the guy is a legend, I'm not sure. Will somebody get as many caps as that again in that position, you know, across that length of time at, at the top end of the game, Wales and Lions? Of course, when any great player retires, it's, it's a kind of sad day, and I think we'll all feel that. But on reflection, I'm sure Gethin will realise he's achieved more than most. And I think the really great thing is, you know, he's going to try and get into coaching, and a lot of the players, certainly I've rubbed shoulders with, suggest he's got a lot of the attributes that will make him a good coach. So I think we got more to see a Gethin in rugby, and I'd certainly like to think that anyway. Gethin will be playing some part in the Blues match against Zebra on Sunday before concentrating on coaching. So what brought him to this decision? Yeah, it's been a tough decision, but something probably I, I've been coming to terms with the last couple of weeks. Uh, I had full, full intentions of getting through the season, really. I was really looking forward to it. a chat with John Mulville at the end of last season and explained that I was really keen to have another year. But unfortunately, um, the knees are uh, not agreeing with it. The, the mind's saying I can keep going, but my, my body's not. So 
you know, I'm, I'm happy with the decision and now looking forward to the, the next chapter really and, and getting involved in the, in the coaching side of things. How painful has the knee been? Oh, I don't want to overplay it, but once I've started getting back into the rugby stuff and, and the physical nature of the scrums and things like that, put a lot more force through it. It's caused me a bit of pain at night and causing the level not to be tolerable enough to, to play. And uh, that was a decision, obviously, taken out of my hands with the physios. They, they'd seen some more scans on it, and uh, well, we went from there, really. How do you feel now that it's all out in the open, decisions made, everybody knows? Yeah, this morning was tough. Obviously, I told the boys and, and said that uh, this weekend would be my last game. But um, you know, I'm glad now. I've got a bit of a weight off my back, and um, like I said, look forward to the, the weekend and then looking forward to what the future brings after that. What do you think Sunday will be like? Your last game in front of the Arms Park crowd? Yeah, it'll be tough. It'll be tough for me. You know, like I like I said, to the boys this morning, I'll miss the, the buzz of running out on the field with them and the, the buzz of the feeling of, of winning games. Uh, feel like we've created some in the other last couple of years and, and I've been a big part of that um, being the captain so it will be tough but something I, I'm going to enjoy and then move on into the next part of things. You won your first cap 16 years ago, could you envisage then what you're going to achieve in this game? Yeah it's a long time ago now, um, so I was sitting downstairs in change room some of the, the young boys were saying they were 11 or 6 when I was doing some of the, the things I was doing um, for Wales so yeah it is a long time and a lot of, a lot of rugby games but um, you know, like I said of had a good innings and, and I really enjoyed most of it, some down parts of it, but you know, I've had some uh, good good memories to, to look back on. How proud are your family to think of being of your achievements? Yeah, you know, they'll, they'll be real proud. They'll be there on Sunday watching. Um, you know, the, the wife will be there and all, all, uh, my, my dad will be there and all, all the family and my newborn son, so it should be a, a good occasion for everyone. It's a different way to go out. People tend to go out the end of the season or without playing, so talk us through the decision to have a last hurrah yeah it's, it's never a good time to go out is there but um, I just felt that I've I've worked so hard the last couple of months in the gym with Tama James as well the physio to get back to a level where you know I played two games for the 18-40 minutes and to get to that level I thought well you know I would like to have one more game and I would never do it to the, the detriment of the team um, I'm sure I'll be there to do a good job on the weekend and savour that moment once more with with a group of boys that you know I've grown close to over the last couple of years. You're retiring early through injury, obviously with Sam uh, in the summer. <clears throat> Having been involved in rugby for so long, can you give us a picture of how the physical nature of it's maybe changed over that time? Yeah, it's, it's become routine for me. It's going to be hard to get out of that routine of how am I going to look after my body today. And the game has become more and more physical and you do have to look after yourself more and more and things have become more professional in around the... The region and the clubs and, and international wise so people are looking after themselves more but yeah it, it is taking its toll on the body and I'm not sure how many of the, the new era will probably last as long in, into their lives as I suppose myself and people like Fau and, and Matthew Reese have because the, the game has changed and training needs have gone up quite a bit. Well that's one of the speculations that there probably will never be someone who can play in your position at this modern intensity do you think that's right? They could well be. You know, it's a position where I suppose sometimes you, you can look after yourself, but then on the other flip side, you are getting the, a lot more contacts than, than anyone in any other position with the, with the scrums and the amount of collisions in the contact area these days. So, you know, I, I wouldn't rule it out, but definitely a lot harder than when, when we started, where you're probably training twice a week, three times a week uh, in the evenings and, and playing on the Saturday against, you know, in, in the Welsh Premiership. And we'll hear more from Gethin looking back over his remarkable career next week on the Principality Welsh Rugby Union podcast. We're also looking forward to the Australia game, of course. But until then, 
Goodbye.